Revelation chapter 1. The revelation from Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who testifies to everything he saw, that is, the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take it to heart what is written in it, because the time is near. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia. Grace and peace to you from whom who is and who was and who is to come and from the seven spirits before his throne and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from among the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth. To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Look, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him, and all peoples on earth will mourn because of him. So shall it be. Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day, I was in the spirit, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches, to Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me. And when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands, and among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet and with a golden sash around his chest. The hair on his head was white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes were like blazing fire. His feet were like bronze glowing in a furnace, and his voice was like the sound of rushing waters. And in his right hand he held seven stars, and coming out of his mouth was a sharp, double-edged sword. His face was like the sun shining in all its brilliance. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as though dead. Then he placed his right hand on me and said, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead and now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys to death and Hades. Write therefore what you have seen, what is now and what will take place later. The mystery of the seven stars that you saw in my right hand and of the seven golden lampstands is this. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches and the seven lampstands are the seven churches. This is the reading of God's word. Amen. Friends, go ahead and greet your neighbor and tell him you're glad to see him today.
right. Well, good morning, church. I'll do it one more time. I don't think you heard me. Good morning, church. Uh, Amen. Great to be here today. Man, wasn't that amazing just sitting under the reading of the scripture? There's something that Paul told Timothy. He said, uh, do not neglect the public reading of scripture. And it's just so awesome to sit there and just listen what the Holy Spirit has written for the church then and for the church today. Amen? Amen. I want to begin with the word of prayer, and then we'll dive into this study. Please join me. Father, we thank you so much for the living, active word. As we have sat under the reading of your word uh, to get this this testimony of this vision of you high and lifted up and glorified in your glorified state and presence as you are now, with those eyes of fire that see into our hearts and our minds, Lord, with that sword of the tongue which brings life to the words that we're reading, we invite your presence. May you be honored, may you be glorified and esteemed, Lord, and may you, by the kindness of your spirit, draw us towards you in Jesus' name. Saints said what? All right. Well, hey, real quick, my name's Abel. I'm still the new kid on the block. Um, That's the right stuff, right? If you guys know the references. Teenagers are like, I have no clue what that even means. But uh, yeah, I'm a communications uh, pastor, I guess. That's a title, whatever. It doesn't matter. Uh, But I do oversee, you know, a lot of the production and then the web and app and all that kind of fun stuff. And so we're always looking for content creators and photographers and videographers and stuff. So that's kind of like what I do here. Um, And it's been a blessing to be here. It's been like healing balm to my heart and to the heart of my wife and my kids. It's been such a great blessing to be here. And so today we're going to be looking at the book of Revelation. And uh, as mysterious as this book is with all its imagery and dragons and horses and all these different things that we see in the book, um, it's literally a book written by John on the island of Patmos. And I have a picture of the island of Patmos up here on the screen. I had the opportunity uh, about three years ago, 2019, so four years ago, uh, to lead a trip called the Footsteps of Paul. So that little boat right there is our little cruise ship. And uh, my wife and I, we got an opportunity to lead a team, and it was pretty awesome to just be there on Patmos and see firsthand the potential place where John would have written this letter. They actually have a church now that's built around this cave, and you can go into this church, and you can see this cave, and this is traditionally called the place where John would have wrote this uh, letter or this letter to the churches, but um, we'll have to wait and see where it was. So anyway, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be moving from our Holy Spirit series to now the seven letters of the seven churches, the book of Revelation. Now, we've been talking about how the Holy Spirit works in us personally. What we're going to look at in Revelation is how the Spirit works and speaks corporately. Um, If you guys want to take a look at the map behind me, um, this is a a, a map of where those churches were. We have Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, Laodicea, Ephesus, and Smyrna. Now, these uh, churches, actually, John who wrote this letter, actually had a hand in planting those churches. Now, there's something that is said over and over throughout 
uh, the book of Revelation, at least in the first three chapters of what we're really going to be diving into over the next few weeks. And it's this, I'll have them pull it up on the screen, but it's a quote that says, whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. That is listed seven times. Chapter 2, verse 7, 11, verse 17, 29, 360, 13, 322. So when, when in the Old Testament they used uh, they used uh, repetition, and repetition was always meant to drive home a point. And the point of this series is to hear what the Holy Spirit has to say to the corporate body. So we're going to be talking in the next couple weeks about how Jesus speaks to his church, how he rewards his church, but ultimately how heaven affects earth and earth affects heaven. I just want to say this for the record. I believe it best not to try to understand the book of Revelation while reading a newspaper. You know what I'm saying? Or while looking at an Instagram post and trying to make a connection in the book of Revelation. I think often what that does is it brings more confusion. Even well-meaning premises. When we use a premise and we come to the book of Revelation with a premise, we're using deductive reasoning. It means we have a lens on and we're looking at Revelation through that lens and it has a tint, it has a color, but that might not be actual and factual. So it's important that we look at the Bible inductively. We look at it for what it says and ask those key questions, who, what, when, where, why, how. Get a good grasp of that context and then we can move into the application. So that's what we're going to be doing over the course of the next few weeks as we go through the book of Revelation. And um, there's this good quote by C.S. Lewis that I want to put up on the screen really quick, and it's this. It says, if you read history, you will find that the Christians who did the most for the present world were just those who thought most of the next. I believe that there's a great blessing that the Lord has for us in studying the book of Revelation. And you guys perhaps might have noted that in verse 3. Let's just call our attention to verse 3 before we dive really into this. Look at verse 3. It says, Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it because the time is near. I think that was probably one of the um, most joyful things for me personally as I was standing there and I was listening to it and Jen was reading it and I heard the amens and I heard the hallelujahs and the I just could sense that synergy, that energy of the Holy Spirit just prompting hearts to rejoice that Jesus Christ is Lord, amen? He's in control. I know often in life and in our worlds, things seem like they're out of control. And, and it, it's almost like we can ask, Lord, where are you? And he's like, I'm right here. I'm among you, I'm with you, I've got you, and I'm here to bless you. But what I want to also save today is as we're looking at the blessing, I don't want us to lose sight of the blesser. We don't want to put the cart before the horse is what I'm saying. And we'll talk about that a little bit more. But as parents, we know that there are times to bless our children, and then there's times to withhold that blessing. There's times to correct our children. And, and Jesus loves his church. In fact, the church is his bride, and he is, loves her. Just He loves us so passionately and tenderly and truthfully and honestly that he's willing to say the hard things. I don't know about you guys, but I have a wife that's willing to say the hard things that I don't want to hear. You know, a few weeks ago, she just like called me out and all oh, my pride in me just wanted to, uh, like, but what she said was true. 
And it was for the purpose to, like, make me a better father. And, and the Lord loves us, and he wants to speak to us his truth. And sometimes the truth will sting. As we get into these letters, you're going to see some stinging things. But it's not because the Lord wants to sting us. It's because he loves us, and he wants to bless us. So I titled today's sermon, The Blessing. Now, coming off of the Holy Spirit series, uh, we saw last week a lot of people got to touch had a touch of the Lord in healing, either physically or emotionally or spiritually. And Ryan used a really great analogy. He talked about the sunbeams that came through the overcast sky. So here's a little illustration to kind of picture that, you know. When we see God move, when we see God heal, when we see God come through, it's awesome. It's the sun. It's coming through the clouds. But what John is showing us this morning is full glory, okay? This is like the majesty of God on the throne, eyes of fire, mouth like a tongue, feet like brass, robed, sashed, head. I mean, it's just like, it's, it's amazing. So what do these things mean? Where are we going to start and where are we going to go? Well, let's start with this. First and foremost, there is a blessing. There is a blessing. So we know that this was written by John. John, if he had a LinkedIn, his LinkedIn would read apostle, church planter, author, and motivational speaker, okay? I mean, John was incredible, right? I mean, he was with Jesus from the beginning. He was a fisherman. Jesus invited him to follow, and so he followed Jesus. Uh, he even had a, a nickname from Jesus. The nickname was Son of Thunder, you know? That's a cool name, right? So here's John with this really cool name, Son of Thunder. And he was with Jesus in the boat. He was with Jesus on the land. He saw Jesus heal people. I mean, this was John that had first run, first, you know, first row just seating to everything that was going on. He saw Jesus crucified. He saw Jesus resurrected. He saw Jesus ascend. He saw Jesus floating away like a balloon. And he was standing there watching this Jesus float away. You guys ever do that with a balloon? And it just floats and floats and floats, and you watch. He's standing there watching, and the angels are like, what are you guys looking at? And the way that he left, it's the way he's coming back. Go do what he told you to do, and what did Jesus tell him to do? Go to Jerusalem and wait. And so John was there, and they waited, and the Holy Spirit came upon them. And the Holy Spirit empowered them, and 3,000 souls were added to the church, and God used John in an awesome way to take the church across Asia. John was so effective in his ministry that he was a threat to the Roman Empire. And they sought to persecute him. They sought to kill him. They actually boiled him in, in oil, hoping that it would kill him, and it didn't. He actually survived that. And then he ended up going on that island, Patmos, where they were hoping they would never hear from John again. And what do you know? Here we go. We have, the, we have this whole book right here because of that. So here's John, and he's writing, and he's writing to them of the things which must soon take place. He's the one in verse 2 who testifies to everything that he saw and the testimony of Jesus Christ. So why did Jesus give this vision to John? I believe that there's four reasons for preparation, for purification, for perspective, and for blessing. Number one, for preparation. 
It says here, of the things that will soon take place, you see that in verse 1, you see persecution was stirring in the clouds. Emperor Nero in 64 AD unleashed a persecution upon the church that would only even get worse after his reign. He would take Christians and he would put them on stakes in his garden. He would cover them with oil, light them, a, light them on fire, and then ride through his garden yelling, Behold, Christians, light of the world. He had people ripped arm to arm, leg from leg, their limbs just ripped off by horses. He had molten lead poured into their skulls. He would even have some Christians thrown into the lion's den. He would do all these things to silence the church, but as the martyr once said, this, the, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. And no matter how much they persecuted the church, it just continued to spread and it continued to grow. All of these things were happening. All these things were coming down the pipe. And so Jesus is preparing his church for the difficulties that are still to come. And if that church benefited in it, how much more can we benefit in it? If that church, as we know, history shows the, the courage that they had as they faced persecution. If they were empowered, how much more can we also be empowered by the living word of God found here? So Jesus was giving this for that preparation. Secondly, it was to purify them. If you guys have like a NKJV Bible, or I believe it's the ESV, and there's a couple Bible versions that when it lists the name of the church, it actually lists um, them as being a particular thing, like Ephesus being the loveless church, or Smyrna being the persecuted church, or Laodicea being the lukewarm church. And so all these churches kind of had gone a little bit sideways pretty quick. I think that was probably humbling to John. Don't forget, his LinkedIn was that he was a church planter, right? And he could walk around like, yeah, I'm a church planter. I planted a lot of churches. And people are like, did you read about those churches? Because, uh, they went sideways kind of quick, right? So it was a way of keeping John humble, I think, but also just reveals to us how God sees. He sees all things. So it was written to purify, and it was given to uh, give perspective. There are rewards. So as we go through this series for the next seven weeks, eight weeks, what we're going to see is we're going to look at every single church, and we're going to see God's word to the church. We're going to see what he observes of the church, and we're going to see what he's calling the church out on. But then we're also going to see a great blessing because we have a good God that loves to bless us. And those blessings are like the robe of righteousness or the name on a pillar or a great feast or a crown. I mean, there's all kinds of rewards that are going to be mentioned to all of these churches. But the main thing we want to walk away with is this blessing that God's desire is to bless his people and to give them something so that even in hardship, even in difficulty, persecution, or uncertainty, we can be blessed with preparation, purity, perspective that will enable us to endure. And so there is a blessing, as we talked about in verse 3. So let's talk about this blessing. This blessing has a name. I want you guys to look with me now in verse 4. It says, John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him who is, whom who was, and whom is to come, and the seven spirits before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler of the kingdoms of earth. So that's a lot. That's a mouthful. But what we see here is we see who God is. And we see God as as a triune God. I'm going to have them pull up a picture here of a pretzel, okay? Because it's, it's hard to communicate what is the Trinity, 
right? And I think the best way to kind of think of the Trinity is to think of a pretzel. That hole is not that hole, and that hole is not that hole, but it's all still one pretzel. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And somebody told me this morning, and uh, pretzels have salt, right? <laughs> you are the salt of the earth. You know, there's so much, or there's a mustard seed of faith, right? And who, <laughs> who doesn't like a good pretzel with lots of salt and dipped in a lot of mustard? Just a little side note, I've developed a lot of allergies in my age, and uh, so I'm a mustard-holic now. It's like the only thing I can like, like, so I go to Costco and get the big one, and just my wife the other night was like, you put a lot of mustard on. I'm like, I can't eat things with flavor anymore. I got to put something on it, right? God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, who, him who was, who is, and who is to come is the Father. And then we see here uh, from the seven spirits before his throne. So it's speaking of the Holy Spirit in this way of description saying the seven spirits, which seven being the biblical number of perfection and completion. And I'm going to pull up a verse really quick that really emphasizes this in Isaiah chapter 11, verse 2. It says, the Spirit of the Lord, speaking of Jesus, by the way, this is all about Jesus to come. The Spirit of the Lord will rest on him. It's the Spirit of wisdom, the Spirit of understanding, the Spirit of counsel, the Spirit of might, knowledge, and fear. So number one, Lord, the Holy Spirit is God. Number two, wisdom. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of wisdom. I don't know about you guys, but I always want to do the right thing at the right time. I'm a firstborn, right? So everything's got to be right. And I kind of see it even in my own son, like he wants to make sure he does everything right. And, and it's, it's, it's this wisdom that we seek. And God has not left us as orphans in this world. He's given us his spirit in order that we ourselves might also have the benefit of his wisdom in our lives the spirit of understanding, counsel, might, strength. You know, I was talking about how uh, the, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. I, I was reminded by this one story of these two um, martyrs that died, and I believe it was in Europe somewhere, England, and they were burnt at the stake. And as they were tied up and, and being burned at the stake, one of the martyrs looked to the other one and he said, hey, we're going to have a great feast tonight with the Lord. That was the last words that he said. What courage, what strength. You know, Peter himself said, I'm not worthy to be crucified right side up. I'm not worthy of that. Crucify me upside down. It was the Holy Spirit that was working in them in that time and in that place. And the same Spirit that worked in them is the same Spirit that works in us. In fact, the same Spirit that worked in Jesus is also with us, as we've been talking about for the last eight weeks. That is the presence of God Almighty with his, with his church, with us, in us, and through us. The spirit of knowledge this, and, and the fear and the reverence of the Lord. So this is who God is. So then who are we? I want you to call your attention now to verse 5 and 6. It says, to him who loves us, who's freed us from our sins, and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father, to him be the glory, the power, forever. Amen. So who we are in Christ, we're loved. The Greek word being agape, which is sacrificial, total, complete love. We're freed. The Greek word luau means to be washed, to be bathed, that we might not have guilt, that we might not have shame, that we might not have condemnation. It's because of what Christ has done on the cross that we can look forward with hope and joy and anticipation to be in the presence of the Lord and to see everything that John saw and to see it like right there, being right there with them. And it's all because of the grace 
of God given to us through Jesus Christ. The other thing is that we're priests to serve. Every one of us have a unique ministry. Your business is your ministry. When I was working uh, at a, a tech company for a little while, um, I had this graphic designer that I was working with, and we got to have a lot of conversation with each other, and I did not realize it until uh, the Lord had me leave that place in order to come serve here. I didn't realize it, but he told me, man, everything you told me, everything you taught me has, has, has inspired me to go do a men's group, a Bible study. And so he started in January this Bible study group with some men down in Tijuana that he's just ministering to. And it's like, I didn't know. But, but there's a ministry that's happening, and every one of us have that opportunity to be involved in the, the work of the labor of the Lord, to be in the ministry, to be his hands, to be his feet. This kids game event is a huge outreach to our community. And I was talking to somebody yesterday, just uh, had run into at a, a, a quinceanera that I was at, and uh, this person doesn't even go to church here, but she was super blessed. She said, I love what your church does for our community. I love what they're doing. Now, this isn't to puff us up. It's God that gets the glory. And if we lose sight of God, then we're in trouble. It's him working in us and through us to will and to do according to his good pleasure. But that's the blessed opportunity that we have, that God's inviting us into, is to be his hands and his feet to our community. So, go, Lord, here we are. Use us for your glory to bring you praise and bring you adoration. Amen? So then we get to this final part that I want to look at before we move on to our next point, where it says in verse 7, it says, Look, he's coming in the clouds, and every eye will see him, even those who pierced him. All the peoples of the earth will mourn because of him. And then it says, I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord, who is, who was, who is to come, the Almighty. I can see why there's so many amens in this chapter it's like every statement's an amen. Every, so be it. I mean, I feel like I'm more of a distraction. If we just look at God's word for what it is, we're just put in awe. And like, wow, you are the alpha. You're the omega. You're the beginning. You're the end. Now, John was really clear to the church when he wrote the gospel of John that in the beginning was the word. The word was with God and the word was God and all the earth was made through him and there's no way anything could have been made without him because Jesus is the alpha, the first letter of the Greek alphabet. He's the last letter of the Greek alphabet. He is God. Everything that exists, exists because of him. He is the alpha, amen? But then John also says he's the omega, which means he's the end. He's the final thing. He's the final prize. Jesus is not just a means to our end. Jesus is the end. And he is the means to him, to the end. And this is where it's important for us to reflect. I know often we've, we, we've had the touch of God in our life or we've experienced some sort of healing but what happens when we don't? What happens when we're not healed? What happens when things don't work out? What happens when things don't pan out as they were supposed to pan out? Have you ever found yourself in that place? I know I personally have found myself in that place a lot. I shared with you guys a couple months ago, my, my mother, when she passed away and, and lost that battle, um, that, that was a way of the Lord just bringing me to my knees before him. 
giving me a, a different perspective. I, I served in a ministry for many years. Uh, things didn't pan out the way I thought that they should have. And so I've dealt with a lot of frustration with the Lord. And in those times of frustration, I believe that this is the principle that the Lord has brought me to. He's like, what's wrong, Abel? You're disappointed because you didn't get the blessing? Is that why you served me? Is that why you did what you did? Was it just for what you could obtain or was it for me? That's humbling. And trials kind of have a way of testing our hearts and trying our hearts, not in order to rebuke for the sake of rebuke, but in order to correct us and to kind of bring us back into alignment. Because it's, a lot e- it's very easy for us to get caught up in the blessings and lose sight of the blesser. There's a difficult passage about Esau, right? It's written about in Hebrews where Esau says he wept for the blessing with tears and he never obtained it. Didn't he want the right thing? He wanted the blessing, not the blesser. There's a difference. I think it's best illustrated as Jesus on the cross. There's two thieves that are crucified with Jesus. One of the thieves on the cross is testing Jesus and saying, okay, if you're really God, if you're really who you are, who people say you are, or who you claim to be, then get us out of this mess. Get us off this cross. Let's, let's see your power. Let's, see, let's be blessed. I want, I want the blessing. But this other thief on the other side of the cross told that guy, dude, obviously a paraphrase. <laughs> he didn't say dude. He says, man, look, we deserve what we've got. This man doesn't deserve it. And, and, and he says, Lord, remember me. Just remember me. And the Lord looks at him and says, today you'll be with me in paradise. You see, he wanted the blesser. All he wanted of the blesser was to be just a memory in his mind. I just want to be a memory in your mind, Lord. And the Lord's like, oh, I got more for you than that. Today you'll be with me in paradise. See, God loves to bless. God is honored when he can do for us what we ourselves cannot do. He's blessed, he's honored, he's glorified by that. But the question is, what are we seeking? Are we seeking him for only what we can get? I've been a pastor for many years. I've seen people come, I've seen people go, I've seen people come back again. I've seen people disillusioned and saying, I tried the Christianity thing and my life didn't pan out. Things got worse. I still got sick or whatever else. I never found my spouse, whatever. And it's like, well, why were you seeking Jesus? Why were you seeking the Lord? Were you pursuing the blesser or just the blessing? And I think it's important for us to stop and pause and reflect, like, what am I truly seeking? The blessings or the blesser? And is the blesser enough that you can just look at Jesus and say, look, I got you, and that's all that matters? Because that really is all that matters. We get him. And not only do we get him, but we get everything that the Father has given him. And that is more than enough. So God has great blessings for us, but I don't want us to put the cart before the horse and just seek the blessings. I think C.S. Lewis said it best when he said, aim at heaven and you'll get earth thrown in, but if you aim at earth, you'll get neither. It's a pretty powerful quote. 
Jesus is the blessing, and this is why Jesus is the blessing, because Jesus is Lord of all. Let's move on to our final point here. A couple of things we're going to look at is the fact that Jesus is Lord with us, Jesus is Lord for us, and Jesus is Lord over all. Look at verse 9. I, John, your brother and companion in the suffering and the kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus, was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. Now I'm going to pause here and just note, John's writing this letter saying, look, I know what you guys are going through, and I'm right there with you. I am a companion in that suffering. As you suffer, I'm suffering. Heck, I'm on this island writing this letter to you with my burned hands and burned skin, the scars that stick with me. I'm a companion with you. I am I'm there with you in the midst of this suffering. And I can only imagine John perhaps recollecting in his mind, John chapter 15, where Jesus says, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. But lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So, so John knew he had a companion in his suffering, and so he himself is giving encouragement to the church. You also are not alone in your suffering. The Lord is with us. He's a companion in our suffering. Now look at me, verse 12. He says, I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me, and when I turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And verse 13, it says, and among the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man. And then I'm going to skip over to verse 16. And in his right hand, he held the seven stars. And then coming out of his mouth was a sharp, double-edged sword. So there's two interesting Greek words here. First off is the word among found in 13. He saw among the lampstands someone like the Son of Man. That word mesos in the Greek means to be in the middle of, in the midst of, and in between. It's a humbling thing to think that as I stand here and deliver this word, that Jesus Christ is sitting in those chairs. That Jesus is right there with us. That's a very humbling thing. You know, people ask, how do you feel about the study today? I'm like, I don't know. I'm just going to give what I can give. You know, I'm going to do what I can and just pray that the Lord does the rest. Because I really esteem his word as we should esteem his word. But he's right there among us. He's with us. Right here as we worship, right here as we honor, he's there with us. He said, lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. But the other thing about this other word saying that he holds the seven stars, which also reference the angel of the seven churches, it's to say that he has possession of. The Greek word is echo. It's to hold, to have ownership, to be joined by marriage and by blood. And so it's to say, I'm with you, I'm among you, but man, I've got you. I am with you. And it's not just like a Greek word that would communicate, I'm holding this Bible. But it's a Greek word that communicates like I'm, I've got a grip. Like I'm holding an acorn or something. Like you, nobody can snatch you from my hand. So the Lord is like, I am with you. I have you in my hand. Nobody can remove you from my place, and I'm with you. So no matter where we're at in life, whether we're in a season of great blessing and uh, abundance of, of multiplication of graces, or we're just like feeling like I'm just trying to get through the next day, trying to get through the next day, trying to get through the next day. Lord is with you. He won't leave you. He won't forsake you. He is faithful. 
Just never lose sight of that. He is faithful. And as we look at Revelation, even with some of its hard words and its rebuke and all those things, there's reward. But what I've noticed recently as I've been going through the Old Testament prophets is that it's the mercy of the Lord that is working on behalf of his people in order to preserve them for the purpose of Jesus Christ. Everything that Israel endured in the past, even the hardships, even the times of captivity, even Assyria, even Babylon, all that stuff, they were enduring it because God was actually preserving his people because he had good things in in mind. He had us in mind. This day, at this moment, where we're opening the pages of his word to reflect on him and who he is. So the Lord is with us. But secondly, the Lord is for us. I want you guys to look at some of this imagery found in verses 13 through 15. He's dressed in a robe which reaches to his feet. He's got a golden sash around his chest. For those of you guys that are Old Testament uh, scholars, you guys will note that this looks really similar to the priest's garments. Everything that God commanded Moses concerning the tabernacle and concerning the priestly garments, they were specific because they were pointing to heavenly things. Jesus is our great high priest. So here he is, he's robed, he's girded with this gold uh, sash, his hair is white like wool, which comes from a sheep, by the way, and it's white like snow, his eyes like burning fire, his feet like bronze, Um, It says that his face is like the sun, shining in its brilliance. There's so much amazing imagery happening here. It's it's that word, that that tongue that comes out like a sword. So really that's to say that that Jesus' tongue is a sword. Now you guys know my tongue, if I was to cut it off, it would just die and become useless. But as long as my tongue is is, is connected to my mouth, it can be used to communicate things in a meaningful way. And in the same way, because Christ is resurrected from the dead, this word is living and active. Like this Bible is alive because Jesus is alive. Which means every day you can hear literally the voice of the Lord to speak to your heart by not neglecting his living active word. That's what that that, that mouth with with the sword coming out is all about. The Lord is our priest As it says in Hebrews 7, verse 25, he lives to make constant intercession for us. But I want to move on as we close out here is a reminder that Jesus is Lord over all. Look with me in verse 18. I am the living one. I was dead. And now look, I'm alive forever and ever. I hold the keys of death and Hades. Jesus is in control. Jesus is the King of kings. Jesus is the Lord of lords. Jesus is in control. And I know sometimes we click on the news, we want to click it off right away. <laughs> click, click. You know, we get, so, we, we get so discouraged at things, and yet we lose sight of Jesus glorified. He's in control. He's on the throne. He's sovereign. Even the things in my life that didn't work out the way I felt like they should, and I kicked and screamed, and he made me lie in green pastures, and I was kicking and screaming inwardly the whole time. Even then, God had a blessing. And honestly, that blessing is to be here with you. This has been such a great blessing to be with this community here, 
and to get to know many of you guys as I'm slowly kind of, again, new kid on the block kind of a thing, but to work with the staff and to pray with the staff and to assure you as a community, like so much of everything that's done here is just birthed out of a lot of prayer and seeking the Holy Spirit. Because if we, if we move forward without him, then why go? And I love how Moses in his posture with the Lord said, look, if you don't go with us, then I don't want, I don't want to go. We want to move in rhythm with the Holy Spirit. And that's ultimately what this series is going to be. It's going to be moving from the Holy Spirit in that personal space to now moving to the Spirit in this, this, this church space, this corporate space. What is the Lord saying to us? And I, and I would encourage us all to, to reflect on the book of Revelation with humility, with open hearts, and to ask ourselves as today, am I seeking the blessings or am I seeking the blesser? Do I only desire what God has to give or do I desire him? And is he enough? I'm going to close out here with a scripture that the Lord put on my heart yesterday as I was kind of praying and going through the, the study. And it reads this way in Acts chapter 17, verses 30 through 31. In the past, God has overlooked ignorance, but now commands all people everywhere to repent, for he has set a day which he will judge the world with justice by the man he's appointed. He has given proof to this to everyone by raising him from the dead. Let's bow our heads and let's just be still before the Lord before we go into worship. I'll call the worship team to come out here now. But all that to say, God has a blessing. And that blessing is Jesus. He is Lord of all. And the capacity to come to Jesus is by grace, through faith. The question for us all, are we seeking the blesser? Or are we just seeking the blessings? We know that there's a great blessing as it says plainly here in the book of Revelation. But Father, we don't want to lose sight of who you are. You are the blesser. You are the ultimate blessing that we're to seek. And Father, we know that you have a great blessing for each and every one of us, no matter where we're at. There's a blessing even for those who have not put their faith in you and are just sitting here hearing this book. What that is, Lord, you know. And I ask that you would draw those near to you. Lord, you also have a blessing for those that are struggling in the faith. Lord, struggling just to make ends meet or make it day by day through whatever trials and hardships they endure. Lord, there's also a blessing for them. There's a blessing for those, Lord, that are sick, who have reached out and raised that hand and asked for the healing touch of you in their lives, whether it be physical or emotional or spiritual. Lord, even for them, you have a blessing. And you have a blessing for us all. But Lord, we want to acknowledge before all those things that you are the great blesser, that you are Lord of all, that you are King of kings, that you are the Alpha, you are the Omega, you're the end prize, you're 
the ultimate thing that we gain. Lord, forgive us, forgive me for seeing you as a means to an end rather than the end of just the end itself. And so I want to just um, give opportunity now before we move into the song. If there's anybody here that could humbly admit I've been seeking the blessings and I need to seek the blesser, if that would be you this morning with our heads bowed and our eyes closed, if that's you and you want to just confess that to Jesus now, just raise your hand to the Lord. Amen. I see those hands. It's a lot. Amen. Lord Jesus, we raise our hands to you to acknowledge that you are king, you are Lord. You're the blesser. Forgive us, Lord, for, for losing sight of that simple but profound thing. Lord, fill us with strength. Fill us with your spirit. Let us be a people that stand, that worship, that acknowledge, that rejoice that we have you and that you have us. So Lord, we continue to worship this morning. We continue to give, give you our praise and our adoration, thanksgiving. God, you are above all things. To you be all the honor and the glory and the majesty. Amen. Would you guys please stand with me and continue to worship the Lord together. To him who always loves us. Once and for all freedoms Whose blood has washed our sins away And brought us into light of day
every nation, every tribe, every tongue are going to do what we're doing now forever and ever. Amen. Be blessed, church, if you need prayer. There are prayer servants here. Don't forget to go check out the community tables. Get connected. But let's move forward in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Have a blessed week. Have a blessed Sunday.